one of my favorite texts in Scripture is Revelation 5, which that song comes from. Because John sees a vision in heaven and said, Who is worthy to take the scroll? And nobody came forward and he began to weep. And as I've said before, the vision he sees, there's Abraham and Isaac, the disciples. So many people that were followers of Christ and such icons and nobody said anything. You see, the only person worthy to take the scroll was Jesus Christ. What a beautiful song. And He is worthy. I'll begin my series this morning on encouragement. And I wanted to tell you that a lot of times people will text me or call me wanting to encourage word for, from me or something that I can help to encourage. And don't get me wrong, I do think that we need to encourage one another. But the title of this series is Finding Encouragement of God's Word. And it would be my prayer that if you are what you say you are and you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you burn your nose up in Scripture, I would like to share a story with you that when I was a child, I had a tendency to get jealous. Now, there again, remember, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, my brother and I, and, and, and during that time, as a matter of fact, we was talking about the other week at or other day at work, that the things that were popular in the 80s, you had the members-only jackets, the swatches, the jams, the parachute pants, most people sitting here don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But anyway, yes. but anyway, you know, I was sitting there thinking about this. And you know as a child, when you would see that person wearing something or driving something that you didn't have, you wanted it. And I'll never forget the times that I'd go home and talk to my mom and daddy. Well, their parents get them that. Well, I'm not their parent. I'm yours which that went over like a lead balloon, and I did not understand it. But you know what's very interesting about that statement is we often compare ourselves to other people. We raise that way. What do you mean, Chad? Well, see, a lot of times, if you think about it, when we come into this world, we desire what we want. And when we don't get what we want, we get upset about it. We should always be first, right? That's our nature. We need to be served. We need to be first. We want what we want. And there again, if you look at the generations, as we continue to grow older, they get what they want. And as Solomon would say, the eye is never satisfied with seeing or the ear hearing that 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 you desire, you'll desire something greater. We're never satisfied. We always look to other people as comparison to what we think we should have. And I want to tell a story this morning about a man named Peter that did the same thing. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John. Last chapter of John, chapter 21. Last chapter of John, chapter 21. Let's stand as we read the Word of God. Now truly, truly, I say to you that when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. 
But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him, the one who had also leaned back against his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? He's talking about him. So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Look, Lord, and what about him? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he wouldn't die, but only if you want him to remain, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, let us seek your word diligently to understand that each of us have been called for a purpose for your glory. Lord, we pray that this morning, if there's one that does not have a relationship with you, that you would convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. Salvation is first. But Lord, we also pray for those who are followers of you, who are struggling, who are looking, that Lord, they would be renewed by your words. And Lord, they would grow stronger and closer to you. We praise you and thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Now I want to give you an illustration of what is going on in context before we get to these verses. You see, Peter and the disciples are on the sea, and Jesus shows up. Jesus has been resurrected, and they see him, and Peter, of course, jumps out to meet him. Now as Jesus meets the disciples on the beach, he asks them for some breakfast, and they begin to cook the fish that they had caught. And Jesus will look at Peter and say, Peter, do you love me? He will ask Peter three times if he loves him. Peter will get a little upset on the third one. But I want you to understand that Peter did what? He denied Christ three times. This is his public restoration. He denied Jesus publicly. He would be restored publicly in front of the disciples. He denied the cross, but now Jesus is going to tell him that he's fixing to embrace it. Now I want you to understand that Peter, according to tradition, was not crucified like Christ. He was crucified upside down. Peter would say, to die is Christ, I am not worthy. Crucifixion, as horrible as it is, in its original form, Peter said he was not worthy to die as Christ and he would be crucified upside down. According to Eusebius, Jerome, many accounts of Peter's death. But before he gets there, I want you to look at the words as he begins in verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, assuredly, you can count this down. Write it down. You're going to die on a cross. Now I think this is very interesting. Because here is Peter denying Christ because of he was afraid of the cross, but now the same Peter who Christ said he'd build his church on is going to embrace it. And he tells Peter this. He says, feed my sheep. 
tend my lambs. They don't say sheep and lamb. All a lamb is is a younger version of a sheep. But you will have sheep and lambs. You'll have those that need to grow. You'll have those who have not grown. And he tells them to tend to him. For Peter will become a go from a fisherman to a shepherd. Now, according to Scripture, Peter will live approximately, you know, or, or in history, he'll live about 30 more years. Now, Peter does not know when he's going to die. But he knows how. And look at what the Scripture says. If we can pull it up on the screen, I want you to look at this. He says this. When you were young, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now let's just be quite honest about this. Jesus said, assuredly, you will go before a cross. You will hang there. And you will go where you don't want to go. Not that he is being a a coward by no means. But any of us, knowing that we're going to face certain death, it would make you want to shrink back a little, would it not? And he said to this, to be kind of uh, death that would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he says, follow me. Now this is very important, okay, before we get into the meat of it. You see, in Matthew 4, Jesus would call Peter on the beach to follow him. Here it is, almost four years later, he meets him on the same beach and tells him to follow him. It's very interesting to me because the very fact and the emphasis on this word is to continue to follow me. Peter will see things that you can't imagine. He is under Roman rule. Romans hated Christians. And Peter will be the one to spread the gospel. He denied Christ, yes. He wept bitterly, yes. He is restored publicly by Jesus. And Jesus tells him, now follow me. Now I want you to look what else it says though. Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him and the one had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? Peter is talking or he's talking about John, okay? The disciple whom Jesus loved. So Peter seeing him says, Jesus, Lord, but what about this man? Peter is no different than any of us. That oftentimes we get put in a situation that we don't think is right or fair. We want to deflect and go to somebody else. Think about it. Peter wanted to know what's going to happen to this person. What's going to happen to him? Why do I have to die? And look what Jesus says. If I won't him to remain until I come, what is that to you? I think many times we want God's will to be our will. Everything's good as long as God gives me what I want and it works out to my benefit. Would you agree? That sounds good, Lord, but It's not fair. But I want you to think about something when I said the words, follow me. I want everybody to hear me this morning. 
And please focus on what I'm saying. What does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? He will tell Peter to follow me. Peter will follow him faithfully and it will cost him his life. But what does it mean to follow Christ? I'm going to give you five points this morning. If you don't have a pencil, then you write them in the archives of your brain. But I want you to hear these five points. If you are a follower of Christ, it means that God's plan for you is different than his plans for someone else. His plans for you are different than someone else's. So many times we look at others and we don't understand why we have to go through what we go through. Understand this. God has called you to be you. He has called you to do His work for His glory through you. They've been one Billy Graham. They've been one Chuck Swindoll. There's not two. Now listen, well, shouldn't we be like them? You should be like Christ. His plans are different from you, for you, than they are for someone else. The other day I was watching a, a documentary on TV about the Hatfield and McCoys. Thought it was kind of cool, honestly, and they went to the Hatfield Cemetery. And one of the guys, main leader, uh, leader of, of the group, his name was Devil. You know, that was his nickname, Devil, Hatfield. And it's showing this graveyard of all these children and family members that range from teenagers to little children to older people. And the very thing that thought in my mind, the very thing that came to my mind is death is no respecter of people. And we often think to ourselves, why does God allow this to happen for this reason? What was God's plan for them? I can't help but think about that that was in my head. Every one of us were created for God's glory. He was not created for ours. You need to take that in. We were created for God's glory. He wasn't created for ours. You see, just like Peter, we're very quick to get on to Peter and say, well, what about him, God? We're just like him. Get put in any situation that you don't like and start pointing fingers and say, that's not fair. Look what they have that I don't. God called you to be you for his glory. And sometimes I've had a problem understanding that myself. I've given this illustration. I'll give it again, but I want to make a point with it. Understand that being created for God's glory, it's all about Him. When my children, my last children were born, my two twins, Hannah was born with deflated lungs. We did not know this. She's in ICU in bad shape. The doctors come rushing in in the middle of the night in the hospital room and says, if we don't do surgery, she will die. And we're trying to get our faculties together. And they shove these papers at us that we're to sign in the middle of the hospital, in the middle of the night. And we signed them. I'll never forget that morning people came in to visit us. They were supposed to let us know at 6 a.m. what was going on. They didn't come. 8 o'clock, we hadn't heard a word. 
And people began to come in from the church. My family had come in to visit me. And I walk off. And I told everyone, leave me alone. So I went out there and I talked to God. Have you ever done that? And I said, that was a mighty great thing he had done. Bring me up here. And now you do this to me? What has she done? And he made something lay on my heart that I want to share with you, and I hope it sinks in this morning. Everybody hear me good. If you've heard this illustration, one or seven times you're hearing it again. But may it sink. God revealed on something very clear to me. You see, my daughter had to go through this surgery where they were going to have to inflict a lot of pain. Now, she don't have a clue why she's got to go through this pain. She knows she has to. Well, she don't know she has to. She knows she's going through it. How about that? I know she has to. But when the doctors came in and I signed the permission slip, I, as the father of her, had to sign my name because I knew it was for her greater good. Listen to me. And it clicked with me. Understand this. I don't understand what the father, why the Father does what He does. But our Father has to make decisions for His glory and for the greater of our good. Now, I know that hits hard. And you say, I don't understand. It does not justify anything. God does not owe us an answer for anything. We were created for His glory. He wasn't created for ours. And it means understanding that His plans for us are not the same for somebody else. I often think about this as I look at people that have been served and that serve in different ways. We see, Chad, how can this be an encouragement? Let me tell you something. As I said, there was one Billy Graham, one Chuck Swindoll. Why don't we try to compare ourselves to other people? Let God use you for His glory, whether you preach or whether you clean a toilet, you do everything for the glory of God. So many times we set standards on people that we think if we have this position that we're greater than somebody else. Listen to me. The true heart of a servant, if you're a servant for Christ, listen to me, the true heart of a servant is how you react when you're treated like one. We're for His glory. And whether you clean toilets, whether you clean fish tanks, whether you lean preach the Word of God, whether you sit in that pew every Sunday and turn to the person around you and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. I love you. What can I pray for you about? You're important. You were created for a purpose. And your plans are different than mine. But we're all for God's glory. Amen? Number two, what else does it mean to follow Christ? Well, it means putting your trust in God's Word, not man's opinion about it. I shared the story this morning. I've shared this illustration as well about the church in China, the underground China. How this man was there and he had 22 people that were Chinese. It was in this room and he had 15 Bibles. And that's all he had, so seven people were going to be short. And he give them the Bibles, and this one lady who had a Bible give one to someone else. Thought that was quite interesting. 
After he got through with the service, he went up to her and said, I noticed you had given your Bible to someone else. She said, yes, I've memorized that chapter. And he said, where did you memorize the chapter at? He said, in she said, in prison. She said, you have a lot of time in prison. He says, don't they confiscate Bibles in prison? Yes. But people sneak them in on pieces of paper. Well, how do you do it? You learn quickly. And it amazed him. Of the 22 people that were in that room, 18 had been in prison for their faith in Jesus Christ. And they had a very high value for the Word of God. And they had asked him to pray that one day they could be free and worship like us. And he said he wouldn't do that. He said the American church, there's two to three Bibles in each home and they're not read. In the American church, we had padded pews and air conditioning. If we didn't, people wouldn't come. You traveled for 12 hours to get here. If people have to travel over an hour, they won't come. You have been sitting on a hard floor for three days. In the American church, if we have to sit for longer than 45 minutes, we leave. I will not pray for you to be like us, but I will pray for us to be like you. They have a value on the Word of God because here's the thing that we've learned. Most professing people believe more in what God's words or what somebody says God's word says than what the word of God says. You see, I have met many people that have said, well, my mama told me, or my daddy told me, or my grandparents told me, or my best friend told me. What does the word of God say? Men are flawed. Chad, aren't you a preacher? Are you a man? Absolutely. But just like Paul said to the Bereans, come to me. Well, I don't agree with that in the text. Show me. Here it is. I will let you down. I will be wrong. I'm a depraved man. But God's word never fails. He is true in what he says. He is faithful in his word. The Bible says that all scripture is God breathed. Peter hung to the fact of not only the person of Christ, but the work of Christ. We have the person in the work of Christ in God's Word. Cling to Him, people. Listen to me. You want an instruction on how to live your life better? Read the Word of God. I'm not going to be like smiling and get on face and tell you that you can have your best life now. If you're having your best life now, you're on your way to hell. Hold to God's Word. Following Jesus means stand in His Word. You know yourself, you've heard so many people, well, God's Word says this. Hey, how about showing me? Really, God helps those who help themselves. Did you know at one time that was the number one verse that people liked in Scripture? God helps those who help themselves. Let me tell you something. It ain't in there. Spare the rod, spoil the child. It's not in there. Really? The Bible says, He that spares the rod hateth his child. There's a big difference. 
context is everything. Noah, he took two animals on the ark. Actually, read further, he took them by sevens too. We can't just hold on to one verse of what somebody might say. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is God-breathed. Do you hear me? If you follow in Christ, you are faithful in holding on to His Word and not just man's opinion of it. Number three, listen. Following Christ means success is not based on man's standards, but on God's Word. It's not based on man's standards, but God on God's word. You try to measure up to man, you will fail. But here goes this statement y'all heard me say a lot. There's some of you not heard this. And it always seems to offend, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. Because I'll continue to say it. Parents quit telling children and people quit telling people that you can be anything you want to be. I wanted to play for Clemson. And I was pathetically falling short. Well, Chad, we try to encourage. You will not be anything you want to be, but you can be everything that Christ wants you to be. There's a big difference. There's a thing called talent. I don't have it. And no matter how hard I tried, I did not measure up. And it hurt my feelings in high school when I got cut. But you know what? Like my grandpa used to say, whether you're a machinist or whether you're a ditch digger, you need to just be the best at it you can be. There's a commercial that says all these NCAA athletes will go professional something else other than sports. I can't be the next Michael Jordan. There's already been one. But I can be everything God's called me to be. And just because I don't make it like Him and make millions professionally don't mean God will not use me for His glory. That's success. It's not based on what men say success is. Let's talk about success. I never will forget when I started planning a church and how this filters in. I had a man tell me, how do you count people? What do you mean how do I count people? Well, page 10 there, I go one, two, three, four. You count everything. I said, in other words, are you trying to tell me it's about numbers? Well, no, 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 no. It's not about numbers. Sure it is. It's not how many people we feel in these pews. It's how many people are filled with Christ. You can have a church of 5,000 people and not be worth a poop. You hear me? Going to church does not constitute Christianity. Having a big budget doesn't make you holy. Christ says, I count everything skibola to the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. The word skibola is Greek for poop. Yes, it is. Am I right, David? Greek's so cool. But I'm going to tell you, compared to Christ, everything else is poop. 
Because you can have all the programs, you can have all the things in the world, but unless you have someone that is sold out to Jesus Christ, it means nothing. It's not about how many people you have. It's not about your programs. It's not about what you do. I cannot see anywhere in the Bible where Peter, after this discourse, in the book of Acts, he goes and preaches to the religious. And the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And when they yelled out to him, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized. He didn't say, come to the youth program that begins at 6, play the video games to 9 o'clock. Chad, are you saying these things wrong? I said, I'm going to tell you this. A church does not exist to entertain the lost. It exists to glorify God and equip the saints. Success is not based on man's standards. And I'm going to tell you everything, and I'll say it for the fourth time. Anything compared to the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ is poop. Your home, your car, your job, your finances, they can't surpass Christ. And I can assure you, as you walk out this door, please hear me very good, that those things that you have, you may not tomorrow. You may not even be breathing tomorrow. But what's important is knowing that you have set on God's standard. And God's standard of holiness you can never meet. But I can tell you this, you have an advocate by the name of Jesus Christ who has met it for you. Amen? Number four. Following Christ means following Him even when you don't understand it. I think of Peter. I think of this man that would go off into this world that would be made fun of, laughed at, imprisoned. He didn't understand a lot of what he went through. But he knew who walked with him through it. If I, you've heard me say this many times. If, this, if I spend my time worrying over the regrets of yesterday and the problems of tomorrow, I'll have no day in which to be thankful. Hold to Christ. I don't know the direction I'm going sometimes, but I know who walks with me through it. I don't understand why things happen, but I believe they happen for the glory of God. I had the chance to talk with somebody the other day who, who was diagnosed with cancer. And yes, I hate that disease. And we got to talking about insurance. And here this man is deny, uh, deciding whether he's going to be able to take treatment for his cancer because he can't afford it. He don't have the money. And he says, I guess I can just live as long as good Lord let me live. And that broke my heart because he didn't have the adequate opportunity to see the doctors that some of us see. And I think to myself, I don't understand, again, why God would let him go through this. But the fact of the matter is, he is, and that's not going to change. But what brings light to my heart was he knew who he could trust in. Because those who follow Christ, they may lose their life, 
But Christ said this very clearly. If you lose your life, you'll gain it. And if you want to gain your life, as Jesus told Peter very clearly, you will lose it for me. Some of us will go through other things and go around directions. We don't understand why we go there. I cannot answer that. But what I can answer is put your hand in the one who knows where he's taking you. For I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able. Do you believe that? Number five. Following Christ means following Him even if you don't know the destination. Not only do you not know the circumstances, number five, you don't know the destination. I never would have thought that I'd spend ten years at it together in another state. Sometimes I didn't understand why. But I can promise you that through all of that, the Lord never left me or forsake me. You see, this is the attitude that we have. If we know that home is wherever God's in the center of it, that no matter where you go, no matter where you are, you have a right understanding of God and of a family relationship. You see, Job will say that yet you slay me, I will trust in you. No matter where we go, no matter what we go through, no matter how we go through it, understand if you're a follower of Christ, He's right there with you. So Chad, how can this be encouragement? Well, I'm going to tell you. Number one, every one of you, including me, got to quit looking to other people and basing our success on it. So-and-so has more money than I do, so... So-and-so can preach better, teach better. So-and-so can clean a toilet better. You seek God with all your might and understanding. He will use you for His glory. Don't worry about what men think. You serve an audience of one. Every one of you have been created for a purpose. You may end up as a missionary across the street. You may end, end up Cutting firewood somewhere. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is you serve the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Let him take care of the results. Every single one of you. Don't let this world bring you down to its standard. You go up the street and you say, put me first. You see the signs? Put me first. Put Christ first. You see, this world, believe it or not, will not be there with you through all thick and thin into the end. Christ will. I've said this so many times. When I left the plant 13 years ago, is all that I knew and all that I had, I figured they'd call me. They hadn't called me yet. Not one time. Christ don't need us. But he wants us to be used for his glory. Christ can do anything at any given time. But he wants us to grow closer to him and be used for his glory, for his kingdom. How can we go wrong? 
Peter will die for his faith. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you in here may too. You may get sick tomorrow. And you may be diagnosed with a disease that's going to take you out. You may be hit in a car wreck. You may have a heart attack. You may, as I read the news the other day, walk up through the road and a stick fall off a tree and hit you in the head. You say, what size is that? Well, it's time for them per- that person to go. I can't guarantee you tomorrow. But what you can take encouragement in is this. Regardless of when you leave this earth, you can know how you leave it. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt if you were to leave this earth today that you'd be in the presence of Him? It's not what you've prayed. It's not what your grandpa or grandma or brother, sister, cousin, uncle, mom and daddy has done for you. It's not because you've come to church all your life. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and turned from your sin and turned to Him? You see, the very interesting thing, and I share this quite often, that going to church don't make you no more Christian than riding in a plane makes you a pilot. But just like getting on that plane, i got to put my trust in that pilot that I'll get there safely. By placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I know he's going to get me to the end of this age safely. Does he know you? And again, I want you to be encouraged. Chad, I don't know about the encouragement of this. What are you you saying? It encourages me to know that even who I am and my wretched self, God has sealed me and will use me for his glory. That is encouragement to me. And you say, Chad, I don't know certain scripture. Then you read it and learn it. Chad, I can't do certain things. Let God use you for his glory. You will not be anything that you want to be, but you can be everything that God wants you to be. And let me tell you this. All of us come from different backgrounds, different races, different financial statuses, different places, Different dad, different moms. Some of us might be related distantly, but let's just be honest. You know, we all come from different places. But before God's eyes as born again believers in Jesus Christ, we're all family. And every one of us can be used as we allow him to use us for his glory. You find where he uses you and you bloom where you're planted. Because I'm going to tell you something. We will, as I've said this many times, people like Billy Graham and Chuck Swindoll and Greg Laurie and all these people that evangelize, yes. I can't imagine the great reception in heaven. But I also think about that person that handed out the good news of Jesus Christ for Vacation Bible School. That little lady that gets on her knees and prays for every single person in this place every single day. 
That person that serves in the food kitchen may give out food that will people will eat and go hungry again, but they also give out the Word of God and the Word of the water that people will never thirst or hunger again. Great is their reception. we got to quit build, build, building our success on other people's stories, but build our success on the Word of God. And I promise you, He will use each one of you if you'll be faithful to Him. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for all the things that You continue to do. God, we pray that You would just use us for Your glory. That, Lord, I'm encouraged. I'm a flawed man. I'm not athletic. I'm not too overly bright. But Lord, what I do know is you've called me for your purpose and I put my faith and trust in your hands and you lead and guide as you lead and guide. I have to be faithful to it. But God, today as we come to the end of service and as we pray, Lord, we pray that there's one that does not have a relationship with you, that you convict their hearts. God, we don't know when we're going to leave this earth, but we can know how we leave it. God, I pray that each one of us or in right standing with you. Lord, I pray for those who have placed their faith and trust in you that are struggling, maybe financially, maybe spiritually, maybe physically. I don't know what it is. But God, I pray that they hold on to you unswervingly because you that promised are faithful. That God, I can't say that everybody will be healed of every sickness. I can't say that everybody will have financial success. But Lord, what I can say is I put my hand in the one who holds tomorrow. And come what may, I will follow you. Lord, Peter, like us, fails. Peter, like us, looks to everybody else to cast blame. But Peter, just like everybody else, Lord, needs a Savior who can change them completely. And may all people be sold out to you for your glory. Amen. Stand and worship with us. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. 
You may be seated for just a few moments. This morning we'll be having believers' baptism. We have three that are going to be baptized this morning. And uh, we're just so excited about this. Baptism does not save you. But we believe that Jesus commanded it. He demonstrated it. And we believe that it's a profession of faith, public profession of faith, where you're buried in the likeness of Christ and arisen to a new life in Him. Where's my little Jamie? I think I'm the only one in the church that doesn't call her Tootie. All right, sweetheart. It's warm. I promise you can go and step in. See? It's warm. All right, Jamie. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins? Yes, sir. Take a seat. Based upon your profession of faith and obedience to him, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ and risen to new life in him. Let's give her a round of applause. This is Jay Johnson. <laughs> and uh, he placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he, uh, he wants to read something for you this morning. I want you to listen. Step in, it's warm, buddy. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me sit down. Jane, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Yes, While your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> buried in the likeness of Christ, arisen to a new life in Him. Dawn. <laughs> of course, y'all know Miss Dawn Gibson. She was baptized as a younger girl, but she said, you know what? Christ means something, and she wants to show the world that she's placed her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want to sit down. I'll hold your glasses. They better mine. I might. No. Don, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Yes, I have. By your faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ, arisen to a new life in Him. You got it? 
Don't get no better than that. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank y'all so much. <laughs> thank y'all so much for being here. I tell you what, it might be a little primitive. We might make a mess, but I tell you right now, there's nothing greater than knowing you have faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll bring it out every week. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> to God be the glory, great things He have done. May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of His suffering. God bless you may be dismissed. <laughs>